I'm well, a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit, the show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn a, into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. <laughs> I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one. This is like chemistry lab. You're I just, on the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help Let what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for <laughs> other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. With Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sebelia. No Paulie Sebelia again today. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco. We are expecting Paulie back tomorrow, so that's certainly good news. But uh, it'll be Stephen Mario with you for two hours today. We've got uh, several guests lined up for you. It is a Wednesday, so we've got uh, we've got John Schmelk one day later than normal. He's coming on at twelve fifteen to talk New York Giants football. Uh, we did not have a show yesterday, obviously, so John Schmelk will join us today. We've got uh, Jim Saddlin at 12.30, color analyst for SU Men's Basketball on the radio broadcast. And uh, Tim Leonard, the voice of the Syracuse women, will be on with us at 1.15. Plus, we'll mix in your phone calls throughout at 315-437-7644. Uh, we might even get into some baseball today. Uh, the New York Mets continuing to, to make moves. Very busy offseason uh, for the New York Mets. But we begin, of course... With college basketball and uh, and with Syracuse uh, falling short last night, it, it, you know it's there's a lot to unpack from that game last night. Um, first thirty minutes uh, were bad. Then there was a furious comeback, one of the better comebacks that that you'll see. Down twenty with about ten minutes to go, they give themselves not one but two chances to win the game in the final minute. And uh, just couldn't make that one last play. Judah Mintz with the turnover, and then Judah Mintz, an off-balance three at the buzzer, did not go, and they fall the pit uh, 84-82. There's big-picture stuff to look at from last night. There's certainly the, the game itself that we need to, to dissect. Uh, where do you want to begin? What are your thoughts coming out of that game, Mario? Uh, one, the, the, the heart of them not rolling over. I mean, that could easily been a 20-point loss uh, and even more, and showing the heart to get back in that. Uh, the press worked at times for that basketball team last night. As Coach Bayamp said, you know, it, it was something. It's not going to, you know, work all the time. And, and we saw the positives out of uh, Cordier Copeland coming into the basketball game and, and what he provided. Uh, but ultimately, it's the same old story with this basketball team over these last couple of games. The slow start came back to bite them this time. And, and you can't start slow, and, and they did in the first half against Pittsburgh. They dug a deep hole down by 20 in the second half, 72-52, until that furious comeback. So I don't know what it is, and Mike Waters asked him, Coach Bayheim, after the game, have you ever been in this situation of lack of energy in his, you know, 47 years of coaching collegiate basketball at Syracuse? And he said no, and it's frustrating him. You can see it in his face. You can see it in his voice with Benny Williams and Chris Bell and what he's getting out of those guys, Steve. When I hear somebody say, you know, it was a slow start or the team starts slowly, I think about, you know, the first five or six minutes. This was more than a slow start, right? I mean, this was this was thirty minutes. I mean, it was it was an eight point game at the half. It got worse in the second half. They went from down eight to down twenty before they made their their and comeback. It was, it was on both ends of the right, floor. Right. Like it just wasn't defensively. Uh, you're not closing out on shooters. You're letting Nelly Cummings, who, you know, hey guys, Nelly Cummings is pretty good. You know, he came into the Dome and dropped 20 last year, and, and he has a great game again. Um, offensively, they were sluggish. 
you know, did turning the basketball over. Um, and you saw more of it in the second half until they, you know, put on the press, kind of sped up the tempo and got things going a little bit. It was both ends. I think, to me, the defense stood out more than the offense in terms of, you know, what was the bigger issue last night. It was the open looks for three. It was the fact that they gave up eight made threes in the first half. And, yeah, I mean, some of that is, you know, Pitt shot the ball well, but they were getting open looks. And, you know, Nellie Cummings got several open looks and you you know you know the kid can shoot i mean you've seen him uh going up against colgate the last several years and you knew that he was going to come in guns a blazing and and being excited to go up against this syracuse team now in a different uniform and and he was fantastic six for 11 from three-point range the defense was a concern and it has been a concern and i mean pittsburgh shot 53 percent in the first half 47 percent for the game you're not going to win too many games giving up 47 percent uh, from the field, they got out rebounded again. I mean, there there were a lot of issues on the offensive end. You know, and 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 Jim Bayham talked a little bit about it in his post game press conference about they they need somebody to step up from a scoring perspective. D, you know, teams are trying to take Joe away. They're face guarding him everywhere. They're letting Judah. They're kind of you know, they're letting Judah shoot. And Judah's still finding ways to score, obviously. I mean, he led them in scoring last night, but it's almost like opponents are saying, okay, you know, we're not going to let Joe beat us. You know, we're going to try to do our best to keep Jesse in check, and then anybody else is fair game. And the forwards, and Jim Bayham alluded to it last night, Benny is the guy that they are hoping yes. will be that, that extra scoring punch in the starting lineup. But if he's not playing well, and he didn't last night, and Chris Bell's not playing well, and he didn't last night, and they come out of the game, it was great that. You know, Malik Brown came in and did some good things in Copeland, and we can talk about them, and I love the energy they provided, but they're not scorers, no. right? And so, from an offensive perspective, it, it is a problem. It is a dilemma. Teams continue to face guard Joe. They continue to, you know, double Jesse, and we saw it on the final possession, or the second-to-last possession, I guess, where they draw up a play, they try to get it to Jesse. As soon as, you know, Judah penetrates, the, the double team comes, and, and he throws it away. Defenses are taking, trying their best to take those two guys away, and that is leading. I think that is contributing, at least. I don't know about leading to these slow starts, but it's contributing to these slow starts because you do have Benny and Chris that they're just not giving you much, and you're you're limited at that end of the floor. And defensively, they haven't been great either, and it's a bad combination. And, and that was one of the things that I asked in the locker room. I asked uh, Joe Girard. I asked you know Jesse Edwards. Uh, I asked Benny, I said, when guys are face-guarding Joe, and Joe, we'll start with Joe and his answer, what needs to happen with this offense? And they all kind of alluded to, and Joe being the first one, Jesse needs to get the ball more, and we need to facilitate kind of through him because they're face-guarding me. They're not allowing Judah to drive, so to say. We need to start with Jesse and then move around that. Well, we didn't see that, you know. If it was getting the ball into Jesse, Pitt was doubling him right away as soon as he got the basketball. So who's going to leave open? Your weak side forward in the corner has got to be able to move off the basketball and find that open spot. And time and time again, Syracuse wasn't last night. Well, and and ideally, you say who's going to be open? It's whoever that, that is leaving. Right, from. right. It's and whoever's it's normally your small four. Right? And, and and you look on that that last play again, second to last play yes. because Syracuse got the three at the buzzer that didn't go. But you look at the second to last play. Whose guy was it that that left? It was Malik's guy. 
And so that that's where it goes back to, you know, and he was in the game and he should have been in the game. He played better and he helped, you know, he helped bring them back. But what if Malik Brown does catch the ball there at 17 feet away from the basket with What's the game on the line? What's he going to do with it? And you would love for that to be Benny or Chris Bell, an offensive guy that you feel good about having the ball 17 feet away from the basket and can do something with it. Um, you know, Judah just made the wrong read last night and it, it's unfortunate and, and they turned it over and, and then he... Um, I, I would have liked to see him try to get to the basket. Six seconds was enough time to, to, to get in there, and he, he settled for a three at the buzzer, and it didn't go. But if Malik catches the ball there, you know what what is he going to do with it? I would have liked to see how that play developed, obviously, opposed to well, throwing the ball away. We saw a couple away, of times when, when Malik got the ball 15 feet away. It's kind of like thinking of, of what to do and instead of just reacting. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Don't get me wrong. Malik Brown played played hard, played great. Uh, and that's what you want to see out of a freshman, but it's still, as Coach Bay, it's still raw to him. You know what I mean? Instead of reacting and, and going at the hoop, he kind of thinks about it a little bit and, and then and goes that's at where, it. And, and that's then, where Jim Bay talks about he's got a lot to learn, and yeah. he does. And and all these freshmen do. I mean, Quidier Copeland came in, did some great things. You know, he's certainly not a finished product. He shouldn't be a finished product. I mean, he's, you know, 13 he's games played, into his, you know, his he's college. He's only playing right. maybe six minutes at, at, right. at a game. And, you know, Justin Taylor came in, provided some quality minutes. The, the bench was a positive last night. Um, it's hard to talk about positives on a day when you, you yeah. lose a, a two-point game at home in one of these toss-up games um, because Syracuse is going to need to win these toss-up games, especially at home, and and that's a tough one to give away. But the bench was a positive, but it goes back to you are limited on offense if Chris and Benny are going to do that, right? And and it goes back to, you know, as Jim Beheim said, you know, they combined to play 26 minutes. They got one rebound between the two of them, and that is a problem. Uh, especially against an opponent that can make it a problem. And, you know, Pittsburgh out-rebounded the Orange by nine last night. And they, they better fix this rebounding thing and, and on defense, too. I mean, they have a, they have a lot to address. Um, and they've got, you know, a week and a half off now to to do so. And, you know, they'll take a couple days off, go home for Christmas, kind of clear their heads. But as Jim Beheim mentioned, they've got six days of practice leading up to the BC game. There's a lot that they need to correct as they as they jump back into to conference play here. How do you fix it, though, it, it is the question mark. Is it more because uh, one game, you know, Benny goes for, for 13 and 7 or, or whatever, and, and the next, you know, a, a quiet game against Pittsburgh. It, it, is it that energy thing from, from the get-go, or is it just, you know, and I asked him, I said, are, are is it being out of position? Is it, and, and, you know, he puts the blame on himself, which is great, uh, but, you know, as Eric Demendorf said after the game, he's like a junior now. You know what I mean? Like he he's in his sophomore season. You talking about Benny? Yeah, uh, but these things shouldn't be happening time after time. Yeah, it's uh, that was that was tough last night. I mean, twenty six minutes, one rebound between the two starting forwards. They they just didn't have it. And we'll get into Jim Beheim's sound here coming up. We got to get to John Schmelk, um, but you'll hear. The disappointment in Jim Beheim's voice, like that—that that was what struck me last night. That it wasn't anger. No, it was like not at all. It, it was night. when you, you, you know, as a kid, you do something wrong, and your parents say, you know, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed in you. That—that that was the sense I got from the entire post-game press conference. Right, that's, worse right. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm like, saying. And, and that, that was the sense I got last night listening to Jim Beheim talk is that he wasn't mad, he was disappointed. And and honestly, in hearing him talk, it kind of sounded like. 
he was out of answers when it came to this particular topic with getting those guys to buy into the rebounding. To you know, we're, we're there's 13 games into the season. I mean, you're you're talking about almost halfway through the regular season, and this is still happening. So just you know, just when it looked like they might take a step forward, the Cornell game was a step in the right direction for the forwards. They take a big step back last night against Pittsburgh. We do have to take a timeout. We've got John Schmelk coming up. We'll talk Giants football with him. Jim Saddling, we've moved back to 1245. So once we get through John Schmelk, we'll talk a lot of SU basketball from there on out. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco, back with you here on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. And uh, our thanks to uh, Rocky's Pub out in Liverpool. They uh, they dropped off some, uh, some lunch for us today. Cheeseburger wrap with fries. Um, I have not... Been able to dive in quite yet. I usually don't eat during the show, Mario. But uh, but you apparently don't have that rule. <laughs> yeah, you, there's there's no. You dove right in. How how you annihilated that uh, that rap? How was it? It's phenomenal. Wait, are you and, done? And, are you... No, no. I okay. Fair. I gave half to Brian. Okay, uh, give me a, give me a little. Uh, I normally don't split food, and you know that's not like me. But I did <laughs> give half to Higgins. Um, special sauce. It's very good. I it's kind of a, a Thousand Island type of sauce. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. Well, I, it's almost like a it. big rock sauce. Yeah. I uh, I did sneak a couple fries. I said this last time Rockies dropped something off. This is the second time now they've dropped us off food. Their fries are legit. So um, I, I haven't gotten to the wrap yet. I will do so. I won't uh, make it after to 145. I'll probably be able to come <laughs> from it. But, uh, uh, but it, they're, they're located 209 Oswego Street uh, in Liverpool. You can also visit them uh, online, rockiespub.com. You can check out their menu. They've got a lot to offer. A lot of places. Monday through Sunday, they're open for takeout until 9. Every day of the week. We're not doing, like, Mondays off. We're not doing, we're closing early on Wednesday. You can go pretty much any time. Could be your new spot. Oh, dude. I was just saying during the break, like, my radar is flashing with Rockies. There's nothing else on it. All right. Um, that was a nice break from from talking SU basketball, but uh, <laughs> but let's uh, let's get back to it now. Um, let, let's hear from Jim Beheim following last night's game. We we teased it coming out of that first segment that you know I said it's like when you do something wrong as a kid and your parents say they're not mad, they're just disappointed. Uh, that was the uh, the vibe I got uh, listening to Coach Beheim last night. So let's uh, let's hear from him now, uh, and we'll start with his take on the forward position. I thought the last group played as hard as they could play and got us back in there, but you can't start the game out. We just had no effort from our forwards and from the beginning. I mean, it's hard to watch. Um, I thought Q, Q6-4, he came in, he got six rebounds in 12 minutes. Benny and Chris got one rebound between the two of them, each in 12 minutes. You can't win that way. It's hard. It's hard, really hard to watch that as a coach. And uh, they made a great effort to come back, but you just can't play defense. We did this against Cornell, and we did this against Georgetown. And, uh, you know, you just can't keep doing that. It's not gonna, you're not going to be able to overcome that. It has been a, a reoccurring theme uh, for this team. Well, well, let's get one more in here from Coach Beheim, and then I'll, I'll let you react to it. Uh, Mario, more on uh, it just it, Benny Williams and, and Chris Bell and uh, Coach Bay. I'm feeling like the effort just isn't there. 
Malik rebounds, he's learning, he's got a lot to learn about everything we're doing, he's a freshman. In reality, our best lineup out there today was three freshmen, Joe, uh, and Joe and Jesse, that was our best lineup. They played the hardest, it's not, they're not necessarily the best talent, but they played the hardest, they went after balls, and we're just not doing that with Benny and Chris, they're just not playing hard. I, I've tried everything I know how to get them to play harder, and they're just not. Your thoughts, Mario? Well, when a coach Before, says he's tried everything uh, to get them to play harder, then, I mean, the writing is on the wall right there. Like, I don't know what more to do to, to get effort out of you because, you know, the talent, and you knew coming into the year with this basketball team, you knew it was going to be a learning curve. You're bringing in six freshmen. You're bringing in a, a transfer um, the only real reliability that you knew you had was in Joe and Jesse. Um, we, we heard all the talk of how great Judah was going to be, and he has been phenomenal. But, you know, you'll take mistakes, Steve, as a basketball team, if you're showing effort, if you're trying hard. And, and Quadir Copeland made mistakes at times last night. Uh, Malik Brown made mistakes at times last night. But the effort was there. I mean, they were giving 100%, and you can take that. What you can't take as a basketball coach is guys not giving effort, and that's what he's seen out of a couple of his guys, and it is just continuously frustrating him, and I mean, it's frustrating to watch at times. Yeah, talking about the the effort, there was that one play on the press where you know Copeland, uh, you know, dove, you know, across the baseline yeah. and saved the ball back to Malik Brown, who got fouled on the play. And I mean, they were showing maximum effort, and that's that's what both of those guys do, right? They, you know, they're they're scrappy, they. Uh, you know they give of of their bodies and and they they do the little things and and it's not they're not in the right spot one hundred percent of the time and Coach Bam's the first to admit that but you know what I'd rather take that over you know uh, continuously what thirteen minutes thirteen minutes minus fifteen minus sixteen out of Benny and Chris like eventually that's that's got to go by the wayside. All right, Jordan wants to say something. I have, have a Jordan? question in terms of uh, Malik Brown, Quidier Copeland. So everybody loves the energy. They're giving 100% effort, and time and time again, we've seen fans say they deserve more time. I'll go right in on that about about the more time thing. And, and well, both of them played If they all- get more time, what I'm wondering, does that take away from the amount of energy? Like, if you're playing 20-plus no. minutes, it's a lot harder to be diving for they every They played a lot last ball. night because of the style of defense that SU was trying to play to get back into that basketball game. I don't know if you agree with me or not, Steve, yet. But but offensively, it, it, it's not – Copeland, you know, came in and, and had, what, 10 points in the basketball game. Offensively, it, it's not there uh, yet, and, and even, you know, in the 2-3 zone. I don't know if you disagree with me or not, but, you know, that's why they played because of the style of defense that SU was running, trapping and, and you know, trying to force turnovers. I think it was a combination of things. I think it was certainly that. I think it was that Benny and Chris weren't doing anything for him. And I think it was they were playing well. And and Jim Bayham went with the hot hand. I mean, they deserved to be out there, right? I mean, they they played hard. They made a difference. They helped spark that comeback in their own ways. And and so I think that that's why they were out there. I think it was a combination of a few things. I will say this. In terms of, and I know that, that this was something Jordan wanted to get to today about what is your ideal starting lineup when Syracuse takes on Boston College. I want, I'm going to touch on it right here. Um, your ideal starting lineup to follow up with your point. Steve, is, give me a second because this was at 1 p.m. in the rundown. Omaha! 
Okay, continue. All right, I'm I'm calling an audible. Along those lines of what you just said, the ideal lineup is the one that is starting right now. Like, that is the ideal lineup. <laughs> you need those guys to play better. Now, the question becomes, at what point do you pivot and say it's ju- it's just not happening? You know, and and I, I know some fans are, are probably thinking that they're already there. They, they need to give Chris and Benny as much time as possible to to figure this thing out and to play the way that they need them to play. But yes, at some point, if this continues and these other guys continue to play this, like this on a consistent basis, the Copelands and Browns and Justin Taylors of the world, then you're going to continue to see Bell and Benny's minutes, whether they start or not. Yeah. I mean, they only played 13 minutes last night, and there was a reason for that. So maybe they do start, and, and I know fans are frustrated with the slow starts, but the ideal lineup from an offensive perspective is for those guys to be out there and to do their jobs, and they just didn't do it last night. And he takes, he, he has, and Coach Bayham takes so much stock in, in what these guys are doing in practice, what we're not seeing behind closed doors. And, and you know, maybe the, the those guys, you know, those guys are, are putting. Obviously, they're putting in the effort. They're, they're showing the most potential to be in that starting lineup. That's that's why they're out there. But, you know, now we're seeing it in real games. We have a, a small, more than small sample size. We're 13 games into the season. You know, you're seeing it against real competition, uh, what needs to happen. And, and practice aside, you know, are, are those changes coming? Um, I think, yeah, quickly, if it continues to go this way, especially against Boston College. Um, that leash is going to be very, very short. All right, let's uh, let's get to the phone lines at 315-437-7644. We've got Dave in Syracuse up next on the show. Hey, Dave, how are you today? Good. How are you guys? Happy holidays to you guys. Same to you. I've, thank you. I just want to let, uh, say my opinion. I think Bayheim really needs to make the change. I know it might not be the ideal lineup, like he said. It may not be the best talent out there, but if they're playing the hardest, if I were Bayheim, I would I would switch. I mean, he's the coach. He's going to make the decision. I mean, I don't want to. I want to make as a fan. I want to make the NCAA tournament, but it's it's going to be frustrating if we don't. And it's always going to be frustrating. But we want to make the tournament. So trust me, as a fan, I'm voting for him to do that. Now, will he? He might not. But hopefully, we can get this going because we want to at least try to be on the bubble come NCAA tournament time. Thank you for taking my call. All right, Dave. Uh, appreciate you checking in. And, and again, I. I get the frustration. The, the concern I have when you, especially this many games in, when you replace someone in the starting lineup, it's, that's a big deal. Like That's not taken lightly, right? Because you run the risk of losing that guy mentally for the rest of the year. Um, and in this day and age, you know, losing the guy literally moving forward. And not that, that, not that you're necessarily taking that into account at this time. But my guess is, and I think we'll continue to see them start until it's, okay, there's no turning and back. And how many times in the past have we seen him start a guy and within five minutes is sitting on the bench right, right beside him? Right, and we, again, we saw that yesterday. Yeah. I mean, they, they, played, they only played 13 minutes. So, um, as, he, as, as anyone will tell you, I mean, as you know, it's who's in at the end of the basketball game. Yeah. You well, know, that, yes, but but this team has continuously gotten off to slow starts, which I which is why I think that it is more of an issue with this particular team about who is starting because and, and they was, keep digging themselves holes and then they got to fight their way out of the holes for the entire and, game. And he was asked about the press and is this something we we might see more? And, and he you know alluded to like no, it's it's a gimmick defense that that they're trying to. But maybe one of those games you you try and start out with a press and try and and, and what. What worse could happen? You know, you, you've had teams bang home three pointers on you 
in, in the first five minutes and what? Four well, I think the concern is games, if you like, if you start pressing, you know, Jesse picks up two fouls in the first four minutes, and, and you're like, that, why are you pressing? Huge, that's yeah. a huge. You know, that that's what you're. And he, he said it. Said Jesse gets in foul trouble. So right. Um. So it's it's a dilemma, and and I, I'll. I'll say this. I think that the Benny issue is more concerning or frustrating to me anyway than Chris Bell. I mean, Chris Bell's, you know, he's 12 games into his collegiate career, 13 games into his collegiate career. You know, I, I'm going to cut him some slack. Yeah. Uh, I think Benny, it's, it's, it's been disappointing with Benny because you know he's, he, he's athletically gifted. Like, it's all there. It's just, it, there. It, just like, hasn't, it just hasn't happened. Uh, so we'll take a time out here. When we return, we'll get Jim uh, Sadlin's thoughts on uh, all of this, what he saw last night, what he's seen out of this team, what he expects moving forward. We'll close out hour number one next on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> This is Orange Nation with Stephen Bonte and Pauly Sebelia. We expect to have Pauly Sebelia back tomorrow. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco. Pauly was uh, was day to day coming into today. Uh, game time decision, unable to go. Steve's just tired of but, seeing uh, me uh, twenty four hours. <laughs> we, uh, I would say he's probable for tomorrow. We, we've updated the injury list for tomorrow. Pauly is probable. I'm day to day. We all we all are day to day, especially this time of year. Um, all right, we've got uh, Tim Leonard coming up in about 10 minutes from now. Talk about the women's team. They're 10 and 2. Men's team now 8 and 5 after last night's uh, loss to Pittsburgh and again we spent so much time, you know, talking about all the issues. We we haven't really spent all that much time on the on the final sequence. So they go from down 20, they cut it to 1. Joe makes a off-balance deep 3. They get the ball back and they're down 1 uh with you know, about 20 seconds left, and Judah Mintz has the ball in his hands uh, and and looks inside. I mean, clearly the play was to get the ball to Jesse. Didn't see Hinson coming over for the double team, throws it away, and and uh, and there was a foul on the play, and, and Hinson made one of two. Let's hear from uh, Coach Beheim on uh, on that final sequence. Everything was good until the last play, and they made a good play defensively, came in front, and uh, pass should have gone to the open guy, but we just didn't see it. Just a bad read. And again, you're going to get that out of freshman. And, you know, Judah, listen, Judah played very well last night. He did a lot of good things. He unfortunately did some things that cost him, too. There was the, the dunk that, that turned into a, a, it was a four-point swing. He missed four free throws. You and I talked about that as we were coming in today, that, you know, you would have liked to have a couple more of those go down, and maybe it's a different story at the very end. Um you know, the, the decision on the second-to-last play where he threw it away, the decision on the final play when he didn't get to the basket. He's an amazing talent. This is this is going to come, though, with a with a true freshman point guard. It's going to be, uh, you know, on-the-job learning. You're going to have some ups and downs. And he had some ups and downs last night. A lot of ups. I mean, he he was very, very good. Um, but unfortunately, he he made some freshman mistakes, and um, it's, it's too bad because he was a big part a big reason why they had a chance to win that game. Yeah, especially the way he was able to get to the hoop and get to the free throw line uh, in that second half, 24 points in the basketball game. And we've seen it in crunch time situations, what what SU is trying to do. You know, they're trying to get the ball in, into Jesse. Um, we've seen it a, a couple of games now. And they tried it, and it was just like, okay, I know the play's drawing up for him. I don't even need to look. And never saw the guy. I don't know. I, I didn't ask him after the game. Um, he he did come out a little later to to talk to the media, talk to Mike Waters and myself after the game. Um, 
I don't know if he just didn't see the guy. It just because, you know, the play was drawn up for him. I'm going to go inside him one way or the other. And, and he throws the ball right into the pit defender's hands. So a tough play. And as you said, six seconds left in the basketball game. You would have liked to see him, you know, try and get a little bit deeper. Uh, but Pitt doubled him right at half court and, and kind of forced his hand, so to say, on, on the last play. And he has been a good free throw shooter, by the way. I mean, he's yeah. he's shooting about seventy seven percent on the season. It seems like at crunch times, yeah. he needed a uh, you know to make both free throws, and he'd make you know one of two. I mean, you go back his last his his four games previous to that. I'm going to try to do some quick math here in my head. Twenty seven. He was twenty five of twenty seven yeah. in the four games leading up to the loss to to Pittsburgh, and and eight for twelve last night, and. um you know, missed some key ones in that second half when they were they were trying to you know get back in and build some momentum and but again did a lot of really good things. I mean, four assists last night, five steals. He's he's been very good uh, on the defensive end. He's got seventeen steals now in his last. And he's four turning games. those steal. They're not just steals and leading them to you know no, no points. Like he's getting those steals and, and getting to the directly leading the offense. offense. Yeah, and, and um, that's something we haven't seen out of that position. Uh, in the last couple of years, you know, you Joe, last couple of years, obviously been been in that position, but you know, it, it just adds a different dynamic uh, when he has the ball in his hand. And honestly, he's been doing a good job taking care of the basketball. He's got a total of seven turnovers in the last six games. Yeah, just uh, magnified just, last night. Right, just, just to be the it last happened player at, and, happened at the know, wrong time. Three yeah. minutes left in the basketball game before that. It happened at the at the at the wrong time. Let's uh, let's get one phone call in here before we get to. Tim Leonard, we've got uh, Ted in Pittsburgh, who uh, can provide perspective on both these teams. Ted, how are you today? Hey, hey guys, how are you? I wanted to say uh, happy early holidays to you guys Same as to you. well. Ted, Same what to part you, of Pittsburgh? Um, I am over in the Upper St. Clair area. All right, fair enough. I'm from Western. I'm and, from the Indiana County area, but you know, I got friends oh, in the Upper St. Clair huh? area. We've traveled up there many times for uh, 7 o'clock hockey games. It's been, uh, <laughs> I, been an I, awesome time. I, I played uh, on that rink. <laughs> Look up at the banners. My name is on a couple of banners. In there. Well, how about that? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, 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 that? That's what I heard. I did hear about that. So you are you are a legend in that area. A legend. Sure. He's a legend. Yeah. I don't, right, my, so, my statue is right next to Jimmy Stewart. It's cute. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, I just wanted to start off by saying, you know, uh, RIP to Franco Harris. Um, yeah. yeah. For sure, that was kind of sad news around here, and I'm not going to go go into too much about the basketball game because you guys have uh, you, you guys have heard it all day. We know, you know, we know it needs sticks. And Steve, you played basketball. Yeah. Why is it that when you practice an offense, you practice sets? I assume they practice ball movement in outside to side. But what? Why did guys think that they can just back in and try to dribble drive and do a head fake and a fadeaway jumper every single time? What is in their mind? Mind when they keep doing the same things over and over. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that is a that is a great question, right? I mean, that's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that that is one of the many issues. For sure, but uh, but I'll leave you with this, and this might be a fun segment. See if you can get Adam Weitzman on, and uh, I think the listeners want to know how this guy gets all these high level stars and players and professional athletes to sit with him on court side. I would love to know how he pulls that off. Ted, while you're on, I will let you know, most transparent show in the country. I've tried multiple times, came close, hasn't worked out yet. I will keep trying for you, but that is, uh, that's an elusive guest. All right, well, thank you, but 
And, and I'll leave you with one more thing. I, I want to see Malik Brown on the court more. I know he's not as super talented as Benny Williams, but I think this guy gives you more. And, uh, again, happy holidays, guys. Yeah, same to Thanks, you, Ted. Ted. And, and yeah, that's why he was on the floor at the end of the game, because he was giving him more last night. And if he keeps doing that, I, th- that's the thing I like about Malik Brown, is that we've seen it even going back to the exhibition games, is that he wasn't getting a ton of time, but when he was out there, he was making the most of his time. Every game that he was out there, whether it was five minutes, 11 minutes, two minutes, he goes in there and he, he does what he's supposed to do. He rebounds and, you know, he... he is always in. It seems to be in the right place at the right time. He's always around the basket. He finds ways to put his imprints and, and his fingerprints on the game. And um, uh, if he keeps doing that, and I think we and I, we saw it last night, he got the crunch time minutes. If he if he keeps doing it, um, he's going to continue to get more and more time. It, it's no question that the offensive skill set is different between Benny and Malik Brown. But when you look at it, Steve, when you look at this basketball team, realistically, offensively, you, you got Judah, you got Jesse, and, and you got Joe. You know, all you're you're really looking for out of that position is to rebound the basketball and and get those points for you around the hoop that Malik Brown has been able to produce. You know, get six rebounds and eight points a game, and when you're gonna get twenty out of some of those other guys I just mentioned, if you can give me that and play defense, then you're gonna be on the floor. And he was on the floor at crunch time, and you didn't get that out of Benny. And it's great when Benny goes off for thirteen and seven, but. You know, we've seen it now one out of every six games, so to say. Yep. Um, and, and this is a topic that's not going away. It's uh, until somebody emerges. Uh, call after Boston College. We'll, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, it's, it's until somebody emerges at that uh, at that forward position, um, this is going to continue to be a thing. And it's not just one. You know, it, it's, you know, two, two guys, three guys at, at times. And, and that's why I asked Coach Saddle uh, about it. I about the rotation, I, I've never seen him play this many guys this late into a season. Yeah, and he, and he hit it on the nose. He just doesn't know what what he's getting from a guy night in and night out. Right, it goes and back I think to that's the, what frustrates him. It goes back to ever. the the ideal lineup like this for for him. This is not yeah. ideal. We, we had him on the show last week, and he said, I, "I, you know, if I could play six players, that that's easier <laughs> yeah. on the coaches, right? It's." It's not an ideal situation, but they're, they're trying to, to figure it out. All right, we do have to uh, step aside, take another break. We've got Tim Leonard, voice of the SU women. He will join us next. The ladies off to a 10-2 and two start. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.